0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Touchdown, Los Angeles!
1: You
2: are Locked On Rams. Your daily Los Angeles Rams
1: podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast LA Network. Your team
0: ever. Kane is in the building. Let's go. Yeah. Oh.
1: Rams Nation. What's happening? What's good? It's your boy Bear Motter of Rams Podcast, but this is Locked On Rams. Wednesday edition. You know what that means? It's crossover day here on Locked On Podcast Network. We've got Brian Peacock from Locked On 49ers today. One of my favorite people to talk to here on the network. He also does the Locked On NFL show with Matt Williamson. So if you haven't checked that out, he is a 49ers guy, but. He's got a great view of the NFL, so we're going to be having a great chat with him on the show today. We'll get to that in just a little bit. Don't forget, hit us up on social media, questions, comments, concerns. We love hearing from you guys. LA underscore Rambling Bear, Locked On Rams. You can also find the show, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcast, Himalaya. Really, every streaming platform you can think of, we're there. Hit the subscribe button. Share with a friend. Let's get this thing going. This is the week that we come back with a big win at home versus a divisional opponent to get back on track. Again, we're going to talk about all that today. We're going to talk about the matchup, the Rams' offensive line versus their defensive front, which we saw was very impactful in that game on Monday night. We're going to discuss Todd Gurley, the running game, who's to blame, Jared Goff, the O-line, the play calling. We're going to get all that. We're going to look at what they have coming into town how their confidence is on high, all that and more. Also, stay tuned at the end of this podcast because later on, we have a special NHL season preview for Lockdown Kings. We're super excited about Lockdown's newest podcast covering the NHL. So stay tuned. At the very end, there will be a clip of our new host from Lockdown Kings breaking it all down and giving you an introduction to the new show here on the network. But with all that, let's kick into Wednesday's edition crossover Lockdown Rams. With Brian Peacock.
3: Welcome to another Locked On Podcast Network crossover episode. I am Brian Peacock, host of Locked On 49ers. With me is Brad Bearmater of Locked On Rams, a big division matchup coming up this weekend. A little bit of a short week for the 49ers, a long week for the Rams, who played Thursday night versus the 49ers, who played Monday night. And very different trajectories right now in the 2019 season for these two teams. The Rams having dropped two in a row. Coming out of the preseason into the regular season, I think everyone, even 49ers fans, were looking at the schedule saying, "Okay, week six, this is the defending NFC champions on the road in their house in Los Angeles, probably pencil in an L here. But the way the first five weeks have looked, I think those ideas maybe have changed a little bit.
1: Yeah, 100 percent. And I think if you asked a lot of Rams Nation that same question, they would have penciled in that W and moved on. And, and, you know, we did that during the offseason. We talked about All the matchups once the schedule came out and kind of went through. And one of the ones I was nervous about was that short Thursday night game up in Seattle. Uh, It was a crazy game all the way to the end, a one-point game that didn't go in our favor. And now you're looking at back-to-back NFC opponents. And now you're looking at the San Francisco 49ers game that now becomes extremely important, especially on how well they're playing, being 4-0 uh, only one of two undefeated teams in the NFL and they're coming into town and you think, okay, home game, this is awesome. But then you go back to our last home game versus the Bucks. And that was not very pretty. So it's tough as you're looking to find encouragement about this game, trying not to make it too big of a deal. But at the same time, you know, you are in week six. You're already a couple games behind them, even though you guys have had the buy, but you don't have any losses. So we're two back in the loss column. And if you want to go and win this game, or if you don't, you're going back three. So it's it's a little nerve-wracking. It's definitely not the way you thought this was going to come in. And, and as you mentioned, on your side, the same thing. So uh, it makes for a heck of a game on Sunday, one that I think ticket prices, if you looked at them three weeks ago versus you look at them today, they're definitely going up, and the excitement's there. And this is what we wanted when we talked in the offseason, to have a matchup like this that we both can get really excited about. it. And here it is. We get it.
3: Yeah, a fantastic top of the division here in the NFC West and looking like one of the the classiest divisions here in the entire conference. And there's a lot of good teams in the NFC. And I think any number of these NFC West teams, with the exception of the Cardinals, would have a very good shot at making the playoffs in the AFC. But it's going to be much more difficult in this conference. And right now, the 49ers, the only unbeaten in the NFC. And a lot of people said, well, the 49ers haven't played anybody. But I think the key game that I've seen now on the schedule, obviously, aside from just the dominating performance on Monday night football, the 49ers beating the Cleveland Browns was that Bucks game because the 49ers went on the road week one and two beat the Bucs. The Bengals are terrible. They destroyed the Bengals. So even the, the, you know, the fact that the 49ers are traveling, going on the road, they've already proven that they can go on the road and beat teams. And that Buccaneers team is actually the team that came to Los Angeles and beat the Rams, which was the first indicator that, okay, wait a second. Maybe the 49ers <laughs> did beat somebody. Maybe Buccaneers is, is that team.
1: Yeah, no. It's funny when you look at that. That was one of the things, kind of coming into this week, and you're looking at the overall big picture. And Rams, their opponents so far this year have gone twenty and nine as far as a record. San Francisco opponents six and fourteen. And you look at that, and you're going, "Okay, yeah." Like you said, they haven't played anybody. But then when you go back and look at their schedule, and you're like, "Wow, they win one on the road versus the Bucks," and it kind of puts a sock in my mouth because I'm like, "Well, there goes my argument there," because uh, (laughs) you know a team that we struggled against, and the Rams have said. You know, especially Eric Weddle said, "Hey, pack that tape up, throw it away, throw it in the ocean. Let's forget about it because uh, that was just a mess from the get-go." And sometimes you have that game, that performance, and you want to shake it off. But man, you got to give San Fran credit, and really was waiting for Monday night to kind of see the Browns give him a run and see a close game. And that was a team that the Rams went on the road, a little different story there. But you know, struggled to get that game out. It was a fourth down stop. Uh, actually, they had four stops from inside the three yard line, which was a huge defensive stop for this squad. But uh, we struggled a little bit against those guys, and you guys handled, it, you know, handled them pretty easy. So yeah, when you're matching these guys up, throw the records and the opponent records out the out the window because the way you guys have played, the way you have won, has really made this an interesting matchup. And you know, for your guys' sake, coming into this off that big win on Monday night, I'm sure it gives you some confidence. Like you said, winning a couple games on the road, uh, coming into LA, knowing that you can compete with these guys, it kind of that confidence level that you guys are coming in with has got to be running on high.
3: Absolutely. Confidence is huge. Confidence is very high with 49ers fans. And the fact that they came in unbeaten has really helped Levi's Stadium become that true. And I talked about it before on the podcast that this season in the two home games for the 49ers, we've seen a true home field advantage in a really loud stadium. Whereas that Levi's crowd, since basically that stadium had been built, not a lot of wins and the crowds were not quite as into it. 49ers fans right now are super pumped and I think everyone is fully on board and believes in this team now even if they weren't quite sure after the first three games that Monday night game really and and I think nationally we're seeing them in the top five top two or three for some people in power rankings around the league which if you said that before the season be like okay wow that's that's even more than you could have expected at your your highest level of you know fandom or homerism thinking okay this is gonna be one of the top two teams in the league after five weeks and four games. But, you know, when you see it in real time, you're like, okay, well, this team is real. And I will say that the 49ers right now are a different football team than we saw last year. And I think that is very clear. I want to get into some of those matchups too that will probably decide this game. But real quick, you mentioned the records for these teams. And I think this is really big for especially the Rams. Coming in three and two right now, if the 49ers lose this game, it doesn't really, you know, crush their season or anything like that. And it doesn't really for the Rams either. But going... Four and two and three and three, I think, is a huge deal in this division with the Seahawks that both teams still have to deal with a three and three Rams team with an unbeaten 49ers and a four and one and potentially five and one Seattle Seahawks team at that point. That really puts the Rams behind the eight ball. And, you know, two and a half, three games behind the division leaders is rough that early in the season. Yeah, it's
1: not a place you want to be. And and I had almost went on a limb last week to say that game in Seattle was almost a must win. Just looking what we had, you know, coming up with you guys coming into town and, you know, I said, okay, maybe it's early in the season. We get to see them twice. It's on the road short week. I don't know if I can put it in a must win, but you're getting closer and closer to that with the Niners coming into town. And you talk about a loss, but you three back in the division. Yes. You guys still have to play us again. You got to play the Seahawks twice. We're all going to beat each other up a little bit, but you don't want to be the guy chasing near the end of the season, especially when it comes Mm -hmm. to seeding and you're trying to get a home game. You don't want to have to go on the road early in the playoffs. Uh, But the nice thing for the Rams is after this game, we get the Falcons with a losing record, the Bengals uh, with a losing record. That's going to be over in London. The Rams have played really well in London over the past few years. Uh, And then we get Steelers with a losing record. uh, And then the Bears come into town and, you know, you start to figure out, you know, who are the Bears at that point. But they've got a couple winnable games after this. So you're looking, they can get to the bye, uh, you know, with a win on this Sunday, if they can beat the teams they're supposed to, they can get to the buy at seven and two. And all of a sudden things are back in, you know, the right world in the right mind frame. And it's good, but man, a loss here on Sunday can get ugly quick and and not going to say, you know, I, I spelled it out like Aaron Rodgers a few years ago, relax, because uh, I don't think we're there yet to hit the panic button, but you just don't want to put yourself where you need to win a bunch of games to you know make that run near the end so this game on sunday is you know dramatically important for the rams fellas how we doing in the bedroom i know i know we all think we're killing it well guess what you might not be the best way to help yourself out is go to bluechew.com that's right like the color blue this is gonna increase your performance and give you that little extra confidence you need in bed. The nice thing is you can take them anytime, day or night, full stomach, empty stomach, it doesn't matter because they are chewable, they work up to twice as fast as the pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. But ding As we all can tell, the Rams have started these games off slow. I don't know why Sean McVay isn't giving Blue Chew out at the beginning of the game. Instead, it is being delivered at halftime. They have picked up the performance, and you can do the same thing right now. Lockdown Rams is going to hook you up, and you are going to get a special deal. Just for our listeners, visit bluechew.com. Get your first shipment for free when using the promo code LOCKDOWN. All you do is pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's bluechew.com, B-L-U-E, chew.com promo code locked on try it for free blue chew is better cheaper and the faster choice and we thank them for sponsoring the
0: podcast the suns rise in orlando but their playoff hopes set in the west from our local experts to your ears these are the biggest stories on the locked on podcast network Beginning today, all of the Locked On NBA playoff teams will be previewing the playoffs with special crossover shows. Scout your team and your opponent on the Locked On Podcast Network. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
3: Okay, let's get into some of the key matchups here in L.A. Sunday. I think the number one strength, and look, this is an old-school football trope, and right now for the 49ers, it's about as true as it can be. It all starts up front. 49ers offensive line, one of the top five in the NFL. Uh, Before the Monday night game, even, they led the league in pass-block efficiency, according to Pro Football Focus. I haven't checked on that specific stat uh, after the Monday night game, but they've been a very good run-blocking. Team as we saw on Monday Night Football as well, but it's actually the defensive side of the ball, which I think is the biggest key for the 49ers versus an offensive line that's kind of struggling for the Los Angeles Rams. Nick Bosa's coming out party in prime time Monday night. You still got DeForest Buckner, who's still DeForest Buckner. You've got five total first-round picks. Salma Thomas is a first-round defensive lineman that doesn't even start for the team. Eric Armstead's having the best year of his career. And then on the other end, you have D. Ford, who's the speed rusher. And that is just a lot to deal with for teams. And we've seen that in all four wins so far for the 49ers. So how do you feel about that matchup from a Rams perspective with the Rams offensive line, who right now is Andrew Whitworth and... Four question marks from what I've seen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, you nailed it. Um, you got all their names right, Andrew Whitworth, and, and four question marks. <laughs> is, is exactly it. And that, and that is the big, that is the big worry for this game, right? You're looking, especially watching last night. I think that's what was, uh, you know, a little terrifying for some Rams fans. Is thinking, okay, you still in your head? We hadn't watched a lot of film of the 49ers, and yes, the the record, and you looked at their opponent's record, and you kind of made these excuses in your head. And you see them live on Monday Night Football against a team. Uh, that we went all the way to the wire with, and you see how dominant they were and had Baker so uncomfortable. And let's be honest here, the, the Cleveland O-line isn't that great either. So, right. But that gives you an idea of what it could potentially look like on Sunday. Uh, Andrew Whitworth played one of his best games of the season uh, on Thursday versus the Seahawks. He he had a over an 80 grade on pro football focus the first time of the season for him. And really, you're going to need a lot of people to step up because – Yes, you're thinking, okay, Nick Bosa versus Andrew Whitworth, that's fine. But then you're talking about, you know, those five other or four other first-round picks. Solomon Thomas is coming off the bench. I mean, that's crazy. And, and you talked about Armstead kind of playing out of his mind. Buckner's still playing great. So uh, it is a little nerve-wracking. And, and you're figuring out, you know, does that mean, okay, pass protection for Jared Goff? There's been complaints around, you know, Rams Nation trying to get Jared, you know, trying to get um, Todd Gurley the ball more. So trying to figure out, can we get the run game going to open up the pass game? Almost exactly what, you know, we saw last night from the Niners. You saw them run the ball early, set up some play action, and then they had the, the offense really to pick and choose what they wanted to do because the defense at this point was a little lost. So I think the the best way to protect Jared Goff is by setting up the run to get him back to some of that play action because he's looked a little rattled this season so far and and not really to blame of him because of, you know the pressure that he's got in that game against the bucks he dropped back 60 plus times he had 30 something pressures it was like every other time you know flip a coin he was going to get pressured so that is a big storyline coming in this game because you know are they going to continue to play that hot as far as the the d line for the niners nick bosa looked unblockable at times last night and even they were saying and you watched one of the times he got to the quarterback they're like that's not even that good of a move like he's just that good like he's just a better player uh, than a lot of guys that you're going to line up. So it's huge for the Rams to come out and and really you know get the ground game going early to help Jared Goff and also protect him. Jared Goff's got to be smart with the ball. We lead the league with 11 turnovers. A lot of that's Jared Goff. So uh, having a clean football game is going to be important for him. But, man, that D-line uh, definitely scares me as far as a matchup coming into it. But uh, it's NFL, you know, a week of football, a week of practice and preparation. Hopefully they can get it together, put together a game plan for these guys because they're going to need it.
3: Yeah, for sure. And one of the things you talked about there, which is interesting to me. So during the bye week, I did an episode where I ranked position groups in the NFC West. And some of my listeners took exception to me putting Todd Gurley still at the top and putting the 49ers group of running backs, which I like, and they're all really good players, but I still had the Rams at the top. And I think Rams fans listening to this would be like, yeah, of course, Todd Gurley's is the best running back in the division. The Rams have the best running backs. But if you look at straight yards per carry and results right now, the 49ers are running the ball better. So my question is, where's Todd Gurley at? Is Todd Gurley still Todd Gurley? And are all of the, is everything with the running game and the Rams, is it all in the offensive line or is some of that on the actual players? And is it Gurley maybe not being quite his old self and obviously not getting as many touches as he used to. Does the, the snap count for him actually hurt how good he is without being able to, you know, just carry the load for a team like he has in the past.
1: Yeah. It's crazy. Cause his snap count is up. I mean, I actually saw, I, I retweeted uh, a, a stat that basically put him as the number one leading snap. As far as percentage wise in week five, he was the number one running back up there, but he was used a lot as far as protecting Jared Goff, staying in to, to pass protect going out in some routes Uh, so he he ended up with 15 carries, I think, but we need to crank that up for him. So really it's hard for me to judge. Is this Todd Gurley issue, uh, until he gets the Todd Gurley amount of carries that we're used to seeing him have, you know, I mean, he was really a dominant force the past couple of years, but that's because we were feeding him early and often and, and involving him in the passing game. And he was kind of hitting you left and right. And right now, I mean, you're talking about that bucks game where there's five rush attempts for him. And McVay came out this week and he's he's been a little defensive on it and I don't blame him because he's the play caller and he's taking some blame and said like, I got to get him early and off and you saw that in the Seahawks game where in that first half he got a lot of carries and then the second half kind of went away to him but he explains it as there's a lot of two minute drill opportunities looking at the end of the game you know, they had about a, a you know two drives where there was eight to ten passes per drive but that's because of the time on the clock and the score and things like that and in the Tampa Bay game, we got down early, you know, 21 nothing in the first half. And, you know, he said, I got to go to the, I got to change this up. We got to get into the pass to catch back up. So he's blamed some of it on just kind of the condition of the game to game basis. But I expect him to go back to it because he understands the balance is really where we saw success last year. So I'm not ready to say it's Todd Gurley's fault. And I know there's a lot of people out there say he's making this much money. I don't care. If he gets ten touches or you know twenty touches, he needs to be productive. But I I live on the side of Todd Gurley needs twenty something carries to just get going to wear you down in the fourth quarter. We saw Todd Gurley get really dominate, uh, you know dominating in the last couple of years in late in the games when he started wearing down a defense. And I think until we see that, it's tough to give you know Todd Gurley the blame here. Uh, so I would put it more on play calling. I think Todd has looked great in his attempts when he's been running. Uh, so I don't think it's really him yet as far as that goes. So we'll see, though. I mean, and I as far as San Francisco goes, they don't have, you know, I don't blame them for trying to have an argument for who has a better running back combo right now because Malcolm Brown's not being used. We drafted Daryl Henderson. He's not being used. So it's Todd Gurley and maybe a sprinkle of, a, of, of Malcolm Brown, but they're not really getting it done right now because they're not getting the attempt. So, yeah, I almost would have the San Francisco running backs ahead of them just because of the production and the amount that they are involved in the offense. So I think it's going to be a big thing. We saw them run the ball 270-something yards. The Rams have got to be aware of that. That, you know, time of possession is important, keeping control of the ball, not letting them run up and down the field. So you would think, you would think, especially after how much pressure's been put on him, that they will start to give Todd Gurley the ball more. But you know, that's one thing we'll have to keep an eye out for Sundays,
3: is how that running game goes on both sides of the field. You heard it 49ers fans. Brad said it. He can't take it back. The 49ers have better running backs than the Los Angeles Rams do. You can stamp that. I'm going to pull that audio and I'm gonna play that. I'm going to play that at the end week of every five. episode.
1: <laughs> in week five. In week five. Yes, hey. I, I will give the edge to you. And you're right. You can you can clip it and, and you know, have uh, the pitchforks come my way. But as you look at it, as for production of a running back as a group, uh, especially as you, you know, you guys are looking at getting two healthy running backs with Tevin Coleman coming back. Uh, we only have one, and we're not giving him the ball. So, yeah, when you when you don't give the guy the rock, it's hard to say he's still the best as far as production goes. And maybe I still think talent-wise, Todd Gurley is the best back in the NFC West, but production-wise right now, he's not getting the opportunity to prove that.
3: Yeah, right now, Matt is he was ripping off 10 yards per carry in a couple of games. He's 6.5 average on the season. Raheem Mostert's 5.8. Tevin Coleman's 5.5 yards per carry. So whoever gets put back there is just running the heck out of the football. And a lot of that is on the 49ers offensive line, which I mentioned top five unit in the NFL, even without Joe Staley. I've been really impressed with the rookie Justin school in there. Who's uh, done a great job in Joe Staley's absence at left tackle. Uh, One more quick note here on the 49ers defense versus the Rams offense. I think one of the keys here with this team, obviously it's that edge rush and the 49ers didn't have it last year. And I think we're seeing not only, okay, not only does it help against the run, the 49ers defensive line is good against the run. They got good linebackers and they've affected opposing teams run game. They've affected opposing teams quarterbacks, which also has in turn given their secondary an opportunity to not have to cover as long and get turnovers on their own. And the 49ers have a ton more turnovers. They had, a, a record a literal record of fewest turnovers ever last year so this unit is so much different and that's what I've talked about this team has transformed defensively it's just completely different adding basically the two best edge rushers they could have possibly added in the offseason in a number two overall pick in Nick Bosa and then D Ford as a free agent that they had to pay a second round pick for to even have the right to sign him so turnovers you mentioned that a little bit with Jared Goff pressure on Goff is you know From the outside perspective, it's all about, oh, Goff can't handle pressure. Get him fading away, throwing these fadeaway throws. He can't handle pressure, and it's game over. Turnovers come. Is that accurate? Is Jared Goff more nuanced than that? Is he taking a step back this year instead of taking that extra step forward that we thought we might see under Sean McVay?
1: Yeah, I think it's a mix of both, right? Because even looking back to that Thursday night game, um, you know, the, the big turnover that kills you. And he's done it a couple of times really throughout his career is that, that sack fumble strip where I hate cause quarterbacks look so awkward when that happens. And it yeah. makes you look like such a goofus as the balls, you know, popping out the back and you're trying to throw an empty hand, but that's happened too often for him. He does have pretty good pocket awareness. He's not a Russell Wilson where he's going to scramble out and make, you know, three guys miss, but he slides very well. And you go back to a handful of his great throws this year where still he's under pressure and he slides a little bit and makes a great throw. So I still believe he can make those big time moves to create an extra second or two and get the ball off. But you're going back to that Thursday night game. One's a a pass that's right into the, you know, wide receivers hands. It was Gerald Everett. And later afterwards he said, you know, Everett's got one of the best natural hands that I've seen in the game. So that was kind of a fluke drop for him. And then an amazing interception. The other turnover was a Todd Gurley strip where, You know, as a as a fan, as a watching the game, I'm sitting here blow the whistle. This play is dead. He's been, you know, forward progress has been stopped. But that's not the way that the game goes. So he gets stripped. He's being held up. That's a fumble. Uh, But overall for Jared Goff, it's the decision making. A couple of those passes where, you know, he's kind of a first read. That's from the numbers that Pro Football Focus is telling us that he loves this first read option. uh, You know, especially with no O-line protection, it's snap, get the ball out fast. But if he doesn't read that defense right, we saw him throw right at a linebacker uh, for, for the Bucks, And it was just almost looked like that's who he was throwing to. So, yeah, his decision-making has got to get a little bit better. Obviously, there's been a few tip passes, but the fumbles are killing ya. I, you. Just take the sack, protect it, put two hands on the ball, throw the ball away, whatever you got to do. He's got to play better for sure. But it is kind of that give and take with the offensive line. Like, you know, can the guy get two seconds to throw the ball and think about looking at that second option? That's where last year, and you're looking at this offense when it moved, uh, I go back to that play action and my listeners are probably so over me saying, run the football, run the play action. And you got to run the football to set up the play action. But it gave him time to sit back there and go, OK, first guy not open. Second guy didn't like it. Third, there's my man. And this year it's like read one, uh, maybe read two and throw. And, and at that point we're losing that downfield game. That was kind of the, you know, the icing on the cake for us last year as we had Todd Gurley running so well. We had Cooper Cup and Robert Woods over the middle doing so much action. And then the deep ball was really working for us. And it just isn't clicking. We don't have an identity. Sean McVay kind of said that, you know, here we are in week five. We're still trying to figure out, like, what our offensive identity is. And I think that's something they got to figure out. And, and maybe they should go back and look at their own film because that was it last year. Run the football, play action, go deep when needed. Uh, and that this year right now, it's just kind of throw, throw, throw. Uh, run late, run late, and, you know, it's just kind of been a mess. So I don't know if it's all on Jared Goff. You know, he got the big contract. I don't know if that's a effect. I wouldn't say it is, but uh, he's got to handle some of that blame. But the offensive line, those five guys, Andrew Whitworth, and, you know, as you mentioned, the four question marks, they've been playing better as of last game, but they've got to do it consistently, especially as you got another NFC opponent coming in. That's undefeated and
3: has got one heck of a D-line. Well, when you talk about offensive identity, the 49ers have definitely found theirs. Let's talk a little bit about that matchup, 49ers 0 against Rams D, and we've got to make our predictions coming up.
1: Really excited to talk to you about one of our new partners, Metro Infinity. You can find them just off the 210 in Monrovia. You got to go swing in and check out their new multi-million dollar facility. Check out their amazing selection of new and used cars. They are the number one volume dealer in California and the only dealer in California that's family owned and has been in business for over 25 years. My favorite thing, and I go on and on about this, but I hate the car buying experience. And with Metro Infinity, it's completely different. If you don't like going down a dealership, no problem. They will bring the new car, the paperwork, and Everything you need to get it done, they will go to your home, your office, your work. You want to meet at the parking lot of the mall? Go for it. They will help you complete the whole transaction, whatever is easiest for you. They are all about the customer buying experience, not the old-fashioned car dealership where you go in and you're haggling back and forth. These guys make you feel comfortable from the moment you step on the lot. Also, if you mention Locked On, they're going to give you another $500 off any car purchase. If you're thinking about a new Infiniti, or even in the market for a new or used car, please give them a call. Let them earn a chance to do business with you. Believe me, you won't regret it. My man, Billy Adams, give him a call. You can reach them at 626-599-7510 or go to MetroInfinity.com and check out what they have. Again, they're located at 821 East Central Avenue, Monrovia, California, just off the 210 in Monrovia. Also sponsoring the podcast and potentially sponsoring your wallet is MyBookie.ag. Game-winning touchdowns on a two-minute drive, running backs racing down the sidelines with no one to stop them. There's nothing like the NFL. And there's no better way to make the games even more exciting than to throw a little cash down on them. So do the smart thing. Go to mybookie.ag. No one gives you more ways to win than they do. MyBookie's got the fastest payouts and better lines than any other sportsbook. Don't forget, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. MyBookie.ag is the best in the business Whether you like betting on fantasy players, they got you covered there. Do you like parlays? Betting a little bit, winning a lot. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings no matter how you bet on the NFL season. This is the best time of the year. My favorite is betting in-game, live, during the action. Let's say the Rams are down 10 at half. You think they're going to come back and win. You can bet, hedge your bet, however you want to do it, but you can bet during the action. I love that part of this with my bookie. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use the promo code LOCKEDON to activate the offer. That's promo code LOCKEDON. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid.
3: Okay, obviously the 49ers offensive line has played really well. They have been running the heck out of the football almost no matter who is in the backfield, but one guy in the backfield is not going to be there Sunday. Kyle Juszczyk looks like he's got a sprained MCL. He's going to be out four to six weeks. That could be a huge factor in the 49ers run game and even in the past game because they paid him more money than, a lot more money than any fullback in the league for that reason because they call him an OW, which stands for offensive weapon because he can do it all. On offense, he can run the ball a little bit, but he's a good receiver and he's a good run blocker. And we've seen that so far this year from Kyle Juszczyk. They will not have him. So maybe more three wide sets, maybe more two tight end sets for the 49ers. My question is, uh, they're going to obviously the 49ers are going to run that wide zone. They're going to try to run the ball. But when Jimmy Garoppolo drops back to throw, he's obviously got to deal with Aaron Donald, who's just still a beast and he's going to be in his face. But on the back end, I feel like, The secondary for the Los Angeles Rams is more beatable than they have been in the past. And Marcus Peters is already a gambler. Is he even taking more chances than he has in years past?
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't think he's taking more chances. I think he's always been that type of player. The the problem is when he takes those chances, it leads to these, you know, deep bomb situations where he's running 10 yards, trying to catch up. And then he turns around and he's flailing his arms and he's yelling at the rest of his teammates. And, you know, we had a, a, kind of a discussion on this on rams twitter with the last one in seattle where he got burnt uh dk metcalf went deep and and you're watching uh the film the next day and you realize he's got to have help over the middle especially the way that he's forcing him inside so that's a communication thing and that's something that john johnson uh, still early in his career even though i you know expect more of him there is on the road loud noise situation did they not get the call there but it seems like it happens too much with them right and he had, you know, a game against Tampa Bay where I had the same thing. Mike Evans went deep over the top over him. Big touchdown the next series. He gets a pick six. Uh, same in the Seattle game. Early in the game, he strips uh, uh, or picks up a strip fumble. And if they didn't blow it dead, he's starting to return it, looking close into in, in, inside the 20. So there's the good and the bad with Marcus Peters. And really, I think that's why the debate for this whole Jalen Ramsey trade and You know, people looking at, hey, can we, you know, Jalen Ramsey known as kind of maybe a headache on the football team. And you're thinking, hey, can we trade one headache for another, but one's maybe a little bit better, uh, maybe not as much risk reward there with Marcus Peters. uh, But that conversation has been going around because, again, you got to remember Marcus Peters is on his contract year here. uh, So all these things kind of play into the long term picture of what the Rams are going to do. But right now it's tough because uh, the big thing with Marcus Peters not only is getting beat deep, but his effort is really what killing a lot of us is you know, when he's going in for the tackle, he kind of, there's been multiple clips where you look at him and he kind of pulls up last minute and then just, you can just see in his head. He's like, nah, I'm not going in there. I'm not, <laughs> that looks too crazy. I'll let one of these big guys come in and wrap that tackle up. And that's just not the, the type of effort you're looking for across the board. So I'm sure those film rooms have been fun for some of the coaches as they as they're digging into him on that. But I don't know if he, if it's so much, he's getting worse. Um, he had one of his better pro football focus grades, uh, in the last couple weeks, and he's really been one of the solid guys. Akeem Talib is one of the guys that's really been struggling this year uh, as far as what we expect for him and that leadership there. So, yeah, this was a, a secondary we look coming in the season with the addition of Eric Weddle, John Johnson continue to play better. That You thought, man, these guys were finally going to have it. Everyone's healthy and together, and uh, they just haven't clicked as much. They have really good moments, but then they have really bad moments. They're giving up too many big plays. So on Sunday, it's definitely something – uh, that we can't allow Jimmy Garoppolo to you know, move Marcus Peters with his eyes and go for one and have another one over the top because it's just something we've seen way too often.
3: Yeah, and I might have been victim to not have watched every snap in and out with uh, the Rams and victim of sort of seeing the highlights. And Marcus Peters always has those big plays where he's getting a pick <laughs> right. six here or he's getting bombed on the other way. Uh, like by Mike Evans when he's biting on a double move or trying to jump something. So uh, that's good perspective there from you, Brad. Um, Last matchup here before we get to the predictions, real quick, not a lot of time, but last December, the record breaker for George Kittle, he had nine catches for 149 yards and a score. And I know there might be some injuries right now in the linebacking group for the Rams. How do you think the Rams will try to match up with George Kittle?
1: Yeah, that's a great question because the biggest thing about George Kittle is, you know, watching last night, and I talked about it on the podcast yesterday, is, you know, it'd be third and 10, third and 11. They'd just throw it to him eight yards and let him go work and get the other three. He is a tough guy to get to the ground. Uh, He is like a basketball player there as he can just do post-up moves. And uh, we saw last year where I I believe it was against the Rams where he did the old okey-doke and like fell on the ground and then got up and went. And he's just, He's a different breed at the tight end. He's a fun player to watch, but he's a tough matchup. I think they're going to use John Johnson a little bit on him. John Johnson in the past has shown really well against tight ends. Even getting Taylor Rapp, which uh, was one of our first picks out of University of Washington, was a little banged up last week. Sat out uh, in that return to Seattle for him, obviously coming from UW, but uh, him coming back, he played really well on the tight ends early this season. I think they're going to move those guys up in the box and try to get some some matchups there. But really, it's going to be a group effort for those guys because we saw in that Monday night game that, you know, the Cleveland Browns came up, they lay a hit, but they didn't wrap up. It's going to take multiple guys to tackle this guy. We're going to have a couple new guys in at linebacker, Oboe, Goroncoe, Tris Patrick are going to be getting some of their first appearance. We get Bryce Hager back, but he hasn't been the best as far as in coverage. So I think it's going to be a group effort on Kittle, especially as you look at those wide receivers. He is the guy that you need to focus on as well as the ground game. So um, group effort from this team to stop George Kittle because we don't want to see another record-breaking game with nine catches and you know ungodly amount of yards, and and that can happen. So getting this guy to the ground – getting some you know rough coverage up on him and using it as you know multiple people. This isn't going to be a one-person effort to stop or slow down George Kittle.
3: So depending on the sports book you look at, the one I'm looking at right now has the Rams favored by five at home. Can the 49ers remain unbeaten, go on the road, win a third road game? I will take those five points for the 49ers all day if I was a betting man. Straight up, a little bit more difficult. It's hard to just say, yes, the 49ers are definitely winning this football game. And I know some 49ers fans might feel that way. I think they can. I am super confident in the way the 49ers are playing right now. They are definitely a different team than we saw last year. Confident. They are a cohesive unit on the offensive side of the ball. Just well-orchestrated run game. The offensive line is playing so good. And that defensive line might be the best in football the way they are playing. I fully believe they can get after Jared Goff. Can they make him make mistakes? Can they keep Gurley from getting things going on the ground for that Rams offense? That is the key. I think it can be maybe a little bit of a lower scoring game than some people might expect. One score game for sure. 49ers 27, Rams 24. It's going to be a good one. And Bear, I have a feeling that you think the Rams might be bouncing back in this one
1: yeah i mean we need to think that right because as we talked earlier in the game you start losing these division games and you start losing three in a row and this thing gets turned around pretty quick in the wrong direction so i think the Rams have to win this game uh coming back home poor performance in their last home outing a tough tough road loss uh you talk about greg Zerline missing a kick where you know from 44 yards he was 97 percent on his career i think it was like 112 out of 115 so he, You almost felt like you should have won that game. you got to come back, flush it down, and and get back to a division game. So I think it's going to be close. Um, You know, Five-point spread, I think that's a little generous of of Vegas and the odds makers, but I do see the Rams coming out, and I almost think a little different in this because I think you guys are still going to get done what you need to get done, right? You're going to focus on the ground game. Uh, The Rams have done better at stopping that, but they still can give up some yards. They've been giving up big plays, and I think that's going to hurt us. But the one thing about our offense, whether we have 11 turnovers or not, Jared Goff is you know a top three passer in this league as far as yardage goes. Cooper Cup, top four, is receiving. They can put up yards and points themselves. So I think this thing's going to tilt over. The Rams are still sitting on like that 30-point average. So I see it as a 32-30 to 30 win for the Rams. I think it's going to be a close game. Maybe 33-30 will give Greg the leg, the game-winning field goal to – Hopefully kind of, you know, (laughs) get back on track there. But I think it's going to be a close one. I think the points will get up there. Uh, A nice sunny day out here in L.A. The ball is going to be flying around and, you know, some big plays on both sides of the ball. It just comes down to finishing. And obviously, you know, the turnover battle starting out strong. The Rams are are the only team in the NFL that don't have a first quarter touchdown. So hopefully we can switch that on Sunday. It doesn't seem right in the McVay era, but it is true. Uh, So getting out quickly. But I say 33 to 30 Rams. Greg Zerline. Kick to win it as time runs out.
3: Thank you so much, Brad. You can find Brad Bear and all of his work at LA underscore Ramblin' Bear. And if you have a friend who is a Rams fan, let them know that they've got their team covered daily at Locked On Rams. I am Brian Peacock. You can find me on Twitter at BDPeacock. Brad, always fun. Look forward to this matchup, and uh, we'll do it again later this season. And hopefully those same playoff implications are intact when the 49ers and Rams meet again
1: yeah I appreciate it stay healthy enjoy the game on Sunday and like you said we'll see you later down the road in this season and hopefully it still is uh, just as exciting as it is this week well that was an awesome crossover with Brian Peacock we're very excited about the launch of our newest sports channel covering the NHL as you know, by listening to this show, we feature local experts covering the biggest news. And now we're covering the ice with Daily Hockey Podcast. Check out the upcoming season preview for Locked On Kings and find your favorite NHL team on our website, www.lockedonpodcast.com backslash NHL. We'll have more Rams news for you tomorrow as we have Jake Ellenbogen joining the show. But with that said, Rams Nation, you know what it is. Until next time, peace.
2: If you're listening to this right now, then you already like sports and perhaps even you already like Los Angeles sports, then oh boy, do I have something for you. My name is Sarah and I am the host of Locked On Los Angeles Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network's new expansion into NHL programming. I'll be bringing you shows five days a week covering the two-time Stanley Cup champion Los Angeles Kings as they continue the rebuild in hopes of achieving that elusive third Stanley Cup. You already know how Locked On works and what we have to offer, so let me give you a quick preview instead, of three things you can expect this season from the Kings. First, chaos. Think that's not something to look forward to? Think again. The Kings spent last year being, admittedly, Totally inept, they couldn't score goals or keep themselves from being scored on, but this season with a new coach who aims to hold players accountable for their work on and off the ice, the Kings are looking to at least improve on the scoring part. They scored five goals in their first game of the season, and while they still didn't win for the first time in a long time, it looked like they could at least be entertaining. Of course, given that they scored five goals and still lost, defense looks like it's going to be a challenge. Second, we've got drama. Last season, there was an abrupt coaching turnover, an interim coach who was in over his head, and almost every single player on the roster underachieved. At the end of the season, one of the players called some of their efforts that year pathetic. How can the Kings even top that? I have no idea, but I am sure they're going to try. Look, let's not kid ourselves. The Kings aren't expected to be very good this year. So that means a whole season of questions and speculation on who's going to leave the team via trades and what kind of promising young players the team will receive back instead. And third... We've got some good old-fashioned rivalries. Even if the Kings struggle in the standings again this year, there's plenty of chances to cheer for them against their California competition, the Anaheim Ducks and the San Jose Sharks. And the newfound rivals, the Vegas Golden Knights, are already very easy to hate. Want to get a Kings fan mad? Then go talk about how Staples Center gets swarmed with Vegas fans every time the teams meet. If you have to hear one more time all those people yelling night during the national anthem, like, come on. Talk about a team you love to hate. When any of these teams meet, you can always look forward to tons of action and lots of bad blood. So I'll be keeping tabs on the Los Angeles Kings all season long, five days a week, bringing you shows all about the team, their prospects, and what to expect next from them. You can follow along at Locked On LA Kings on Twitter, and make sure you subscribe to Locked On Los Angeles Kings on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you find all of your favorite shows. Locked On Los Angeles Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.